Did you get that? I'm so confused. Also, ich verstehe nur Bahnhof. You only understand train station? It's all Greek to me. Understanding train station. Living between cultures with Josh and Faylor. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy Frohes New Year. Jahr. <laughs> we're back. And we're not together anymore, unfortunately. We, we didn't not. get to record another episode in person because your social schedule was so packed, Josh, while you were in Cincinnati. Crazy. It's, it's it's always like that. And this time I was home for almost three weeks and I, I still was busy. Yeah. And like, it's tricky to balance wanting to do stuff for the podcast with you in person. Also hang out with you as a friend. Yeah. And then also have all of the other commitments that I have. So um, we only managed to do the live stream, but I thought that was really fun. Um, we should try to do something like that again of- in the future. I know not a lot of people watched the recording of the live stream. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of you guys tuned in while we were streaming live. So I think maybe we should explain too, because we didn't really yeah. announce this beforehand because it was kind of a last minute decision and yeah. then everything was a little chaotic. So here's what happened. Before Christmas, we kind of decided to cancel two episodes and kind of merge them into one and kind of publish it in that one week. That's usually our off week where we don't publish an episode. And we thought it would be cool to do the episode live. So basically do a live stream and at the same time also upload that as a recording afterwards. And we had it all planned and everything. And then half an hour before we wanted to go live on the Understanding Train Station YouTube channel, I realized that I messed up and I didn't activate the channel for live streaming. I didn't remember that I had to do that. And it didn't tell me that I had to do that until I literally tried to start the live stream. It was like, oh, your channel isn't authorized and it takes 24 hours to activate. So then we just kind of last minute (laughs) changed it so that we were streaming on my channel, Feli from Germany. And we didn't really get to tell you guys on all the platforms. So I know on Patreon, for example, people were like, posting like where is the live stream i can't find it and first i wanted to say we're really sorry about that it was just there wasn't a lot of time left unfortunately um so i hope that a lot of you at least found the live stream somehow um and found it on my channel and if not you can still go to feely from germany and watch the whole live stream afterwards or of course as an audio and video podcast we also then uploaded the recorded version with the better quality um to our normal Understanding Train Station podcast outlet. So that's just as a summary. And so that was the last episode that we did of the year. It was kind of a Christmas episode and was really, really fun. Yeah, no, I I think it was was cool to be able to interact with people live, you know, when people were asking questions, being able to respond to it. I think it was also fun to have Ben be a part of it and kind of moderate Mm -hmm. some of the some of the discussion um yeah Yeah. i I think it was really fun and definitely something i would like to do again so if you guys enjoyed it make sure to let us know um if that's something that you would like and i'm sure we'll do it again at some point in the future it's funny though because we always seem to record or at least uh recently always seem to record like right when i either am leaving or coming back from a trip because we did the live stream i think the day after i arrived Mm -hmm. uh, in shortly after you arrived like very shortly after i arrived Maybe not the day after, maybe two days. And then I actually just got back to Germany yesterday. <laughs> so <laughs> you guys and catch me in recording. a kind of state. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, those of you who haven't seen that live stream, just to get back to that for a second, mm-hmm. um, or that episode, I should say, um, you should definitely check it out because it's not just like a live stream kind of thing where there's lots of pauses and stuff like that. There really weren't any pauses at all. No. Um, it's basically a Q&A episode where we... Yeah 
answered you guys' questions and we talked about Christmas traditions and stuff yeah. like that. So um, if Pretty you thought it's Pretty much no pauses not, except for when you spilt your Glühwein. I spilled my Glühwein and I also knocked down one of the Christmas ornaments. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> so yeah, if you want to see a bunch of questions answered and a bunch of Feeding messing up. Exactly. <laughs> Me being very clumsy as I am as a person, then <laughs> definitely make sure to check it out. But yeah, you're back in Munich now. Josh, exactly. how is it? It's good. It's uh, it's hard, always hard to say bye to family. So mm. I was uh, a little sentimental when I was leaving this time, which is funny because I think on the, the live stream, I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like so Europeanized, if you will, or Germanized. Um, yeah, you kind of said it was weird being back. Yeah, I settled into it. Um, yeah. It still was weird, but I settled into it. Three weeks is a long time. It so, is, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really nice being able to spend time with family, friends, Got to be there for uh, some family birthday parties, and yeah, it was a, it was a really nice That's time. Awesome. We got to go to one of our favorite places together for a drink, uh, which was fun. Yeah, um, yeah, we did get to hang out just like outside of the podcast this time a yeah. couple times, which was nice because that is the case. Even when I'm home, I have the same problem. My social schedule is so full, and then we kind of only see each other for podcast, podcast recordings. Reasons. And last time we also uh, saw each other a few times at Oktoberfest, which was cool. Yeah. But yeah, that always kind of, it's it's cool to work with friends, but it's also difficult to yeah. find the time to do both work and leisure Friendship. stuff. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But yeah, I think that was definitely a highlight of this past trip. Another cool thing was going on a tour of Cincinnati. Uh, it wasn't a oh, full yeah. city, but my mom got me a Cincinnati tour. It wasn't a brewery tour per se but it went kind of through over the rhine neighborhood in cincinnati which is the former german neighborhood where a lot of uh, the cincinnati breweries were and it was a really cool experience to get some like facts about cincinnati that i didn't know at all or had no clue about growing up there and it makes you appreciate the city in a different manner i would say uh I don't know how you felt about like through through your experiences with learning more about the history of Cincinnati during your studies, if it made you appreciate the city any differently than if uh, if not. But I thought that was something that was definitely a highlight for me. For sure. I mean, I feel like I had that ever since I came here. Um, and I feel like a lot of locals don't really know a lot about their own city and that yeah. all that history. That's kind of the reason why I always get these very surprised comments of, oh, why would you stay here? Why yeah. would you settle for Cincinnati? And I always feel like, what? I mean, I understand that other bigger cities are more exciting, but this is also yeah. a really, really cool city with a really big art scene and, yeah. you know, really cool history and stuff like that. And it was very, very relevant for a lot of American history mm-hmm. and development back in the day. But yeah, I, I learned about it um, throughout my work with the Over the Rhine Museum and then also during my studies and yeah, it d- definitely made me appreciate it. And every time I go through those streets, I always think mm-hmm. about it. Like I always think, oh, yeah, this is exactly where this building used to be. Or I see a building and other people might not recognize, yeah. but I know that this is where the Deutsche, um, what was it called? Um, Deutsche Gegenseitige Versicherungsgemeinschaft yeah, or Gesellschaft. Yeah, yeah. Um, was located, et cetera. So I think yeah. it's it's really cool. I haven't done the brewery tour yet, so I definitely I would recommend still. it. It's cool because they have like the old tunnels where they used to store the beer too and you go down into it. And um, yeah, it was a really cool experience. Maybe just share like one little cool fact. Um, I, I don't have the exact number, but just in the over the Rhine neighborhood, which if you're familiar at all with Cincinnati, it's not a big area. It's very walkable. 
um, which is where all of the a lot of the Germans used to live in Cincinnati. It had over a thousand eight hundred drinking establishments at its, in its heyday, which is just insane. insane for the amount for the size it is. It was also the most densely populated neighborhood of the country around 1900. Yeah. Of the country, of the, all of the U.S. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's crazy. And yeah. I, I like telling the story, too, of Carrie Nation during the time of Prohibition or right before Prohibition. She's a woman, you can look her up, uh, that she would go town to town uh, with her hatchet, destroying bars to keep the men from drinking. And there's a story about when she came to Cincinnati. Who knows if it's true or not, but I, it's what people say at least. Uh, yeah. But I guess she got to Cincinnati and saw the 1,800 uh, establishments and just dropped her hatchet and said, I would die of exhaustion if I tried to do my normal thing here. And then she left yeah. the city untouched. <laughs> it's just crazy. That's also one of the reasons why the whole German community really struggled throughout like the late 19-teens and early 1920s, mm -hmm. um, it was, most people usually say there was the anti-German sentiment towards the end of World War One because the U.S. joined World War One, and then obviously Germany was the enemy and there was a pretty big hatred, you could say, yeah. towards Germanness in general. So like people started um, renaming their businesses if it had a German name before. The yeah. German language was banned in many places. Street names were renamed, etc. You've probably heard us talk about that before. But another reason was also prohibition came shortly after that, as you just said, too. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these German organizations, even like the Turners, the Turnvereine, yeah. the um, gymnastics clubs or um, singing clubs, a lot of these establishments had like a brewery connected or had yeah. a big um, beer hall where people would hang out. And that was like a big income source for them. And then mm -hmm. suddenly all of that was not allowed anymore. And that was another reason why a lot of these establishments and organizations ended up closing because one of their main income sources was taken away because alcohol was suddenly illegal. Yeah, that's crazy. And they, yeah, I think that's why they say drinking establishments because it wasn't just bars and mm -hmm. uh, restaurants, but just places where you could have a drink so like like the tuna uh, the T turner's club or whatever it's called yeah yeah it's just really interesting and that's one thing that i really enjoyed about this last trip yeah that's really but, cool yeah I, I did that one time with a friend of mine where she actually also moved abroad and then she came back to munich for one of the first times i think and she was mm -hmm. like hey Philly, do you want to do a sightseeing tour of munich with me and she was born and raised in munich yeah and i was like sure and i think that's like one of those things that you suddenly start wanting to do about your own city yeah. when you move move away you suddenly mm -hmm. want to know these things that you know about other cities about your own city yeah exactly i think that's a really cool thing to do but yeah other than that the trip was really nice you did like a crazy um or took a kind of unconventional ro route 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 that's the american way uh, it could route. be either right it can be either because it's like <laughs> route 66 but down route True. 40 for whatever yeah, for whatever reason. I just it's... confused myself really badly while I was trying to say that sentence. But instead of flying out from Munich, yeah. this time you flew, well, you took the train to Paris. Exactly. It was So flights from Munich to Cincinnati were really expensive. I waited mm -hmm. a little too long to book. So to try to save some money, I decided to take a direct flight from Paris and travel to Paris with a plane. Or uh, with a plane. Uh, by, by <laughs> with train. your own private plane. <laughs> exactly. Okay, yeah. Just by to train, save money. Yeah. By train. Um <laughs> And on the way there, it wasn't a problem. I stayed a night at a friend's uh, in mm -hmm. Paris and then flew out the next morning and it was super nice. The way back, I did the same thing. I flew from Cincinnati to Paris and then took a train from Paris to Munich. But because you arrive in the morning in Paris, it doesn't make sense to stay the night in Paris. Mm. So I just took the train the same day. 
it was a little tricky choosing which train to take because there was one that was going to be really tight to make and one three hours later. Mm -hmm. So I chose the safer option of the two. In hindsight, I should have not gotten like the saving version of the ticket and just gotten a ticket that would have allowed me to take either train. Um, but I was in money saving mode. So yeah. I, I, I chose a later train and I easily would have made the first train. The The transition was super smooth. I arrived to pick up my luggage right away. It was right there. I didn't have to wait at all. So then I ended up just sitting around Paris for three hours, which I say just sitting around Paris for three hours is really not that bad. <laughs> well, were you actually out in the city or did you just go yeah. straight to the train station? I went to the train station, dropped off my bag, and then okay. um, they put it in one of those lockers. And mm-hmm. then I went out into the city for a bit. So nice. it was nice. Yeah, I got to go to like a little market and got a coffee and yeah, went and got some food. So the cool thing was I was able to use some of my French uh, mm-hmm. thanks to Lingoda, our sponsor. The cool thing when you're learning a language is like... Throughout the process, you you manage to step up your level a little bit. And especially when you go to a country where the language is spoken, you get these feelings of little wins. Uh, yeah. Like, yes, I was finally able to use something I learned and it made sense and they understood me and I achieved something through it. So that was really cool about Paris was through the classes that I'd taken with Lingoda, I had been prepared for a lot of the situations I was in with mm-hmm. ordering a coffee and um, asking for a galette uh, des rois, which is like a typical thing that they have around the Three Kings Day. Uh, or whatever it's called in English, the Epiphany. Um, what is that? It's a, it's like a little, it's a pastry. It's a pastry okay. that has a little. Normally, you have the little figure. I have it here actually. I won last year. They have a little figure inside of it, mm-hmm. um, and if you get it, I think you have to make it next year. Like it's inside of the cake. And but not all of them have it. No, not all of them. Okay. Not all of them. Uh, the one I ate didn't have it. For example, okay. I think they make different sizes. Yeah. And I think some of the bigger ones have them. So when you ch- when you cut it, it's very interesting. I've never heard of that. Yeah, but I, I'm yeah. not an expert on it, so I might be. I I don't have the details, but yes. Yeah, yeah. Those little language wins are always the coolest thing. And I remember with French too. I don't mm-hmm. really speak French anymore, right? I mean, I can kind of still read it. Um, but I remember that I took it all the way from sixth through eleventh grade, and I was like in 11th grade and 10th grade, we were able to do presentations in French mm-hmm. completely, talk about, you know, higher topics like globalization, yeah. blah, 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 read kind of higher books or little books that are kind of more complicated mm-hmm. to read in French. But the real language win for me was I have family in France. Mm-hmm. Um, most of them do speak German, but they had little kids. And especially at the time, they were re- relatively small still. And my biggest language win was that I could communicate with them in like the mm-hmm. everyday language. And of course, these kids don't understand that they have to speak slower with you or that they can't use certain colloquial terms with you because you're just a non-native speaker. They just speak however they speak with their kids, yeah. uh, with their friends, right? And uh, I remember that was like a big thing for me that I was able to play with them, communicate yeah. with them, and they just accepted me as an equal. <laughs> uh-huh. I had the same thing when I was in Germany once with uh, playing with the, it was the cousins of one of my friends who were, they were really young. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just weird speaking to a kid in a foreign language to you, but it was, yeah. that, that was also a huge win. Another win for me was when I was at the, uh, at a restaurant and I ate relatively quickly cause I was starting to run out of time. Um, but I still wanted to eat something and I left and the guy who saw me to my table, uh, said something to me in French, like, thanks for coming. That, that was mm-hmm. so quick though. I hope everything was okay. And I said, yeah, I was able to tell him, yeah, I have to go get a train. And he was like, oh yeah, makes sense. So like be, being able to have a little conversation like yeah. that, um, it makes you feel, re- feel really good about the progress that you've made. 
Ex- yeah, exactly. Especially if you weren't able to prepare it beforehand. That's mm-hmm. like next level, like in a situation like you just yeah. described. I feel like it's already a great thing if you like do a phone call. I mean, mm-hmm. we talk about phone calls so much, even with German and English, because that is still yeah. like sometimes a tricky thing. At, at least you can kind of prepare that beforehand. The main thing that you want to say if you want to make an mm-hmm. appointment or something like that. But the really king discipline. Do you say that? No, you don't say that in English. No. Königsdisziplin. The highest achievement i feel like that yeah. always flattered me the most or that made me the most con- made me feel the most confident was when it was little small talk situations yeah. where i didn't have a lot of time to think about uh-huh. it and i didn't know what was coming and then yeah. suddenly i was able like for example at the kroger checkout here in cincinnati mm-hmm. the first time i was able to just confidently respond to the small talk understand what the person was saying even though it was loud and there's beeping and everything and mm-hmm. handle the situation like a native <laughs> that's like the biggest win i think yeah i mean i wouldn't go that far in my case i did it was <laughs> obvious i wasn't a native but he understood Obviously, me yeah <laughs> your french isn't like that no. good yet but i know that you had the same thing with spanish also because you went through that whole journey with with spanish yeah you're you're pretty much fluent in spanish so yeah exactly and if you guys are interested in trying to pursue learning a language for yourself and and want to have those little wins when you're traveling or speaking with people who speak another language um, lingoda is a great resource for that yes lingoda offers courses in many different languages in spanish french German, English, and business English, if you're interested in improving uh, your English in a business setting. And they offer courses 24 hours a day with native level teachers. So it's a great resource for you to be able to practice those situations in class, learn the grammar that you need, but also they have situational classes where you really are set up for success in those type of situations. Yeah, and the classes are live and super easy to book. All you do is just look through the class lists. Um, You can filter by time of the day, by weekdays, by levels, and then you just click on it and you're automatically signed up. It's really, really easy. And even outside of the live class, you even have access to homework and extra exercises. So it's a really, really great tool. And all of the teachers, as you said, Josh, are very qualified and you can always ask them questions and they can help you with the grammar stuff, but also with these little colloquialisms and stuff like that and cultural questions. So if you guys are interested in doing a little bit more of an intense version and not just signing up and taking classes at your own leisure, but need a little bit more motivation or want to push yourself, Lingoda Maybe offers... Maybe especially now at the beginning of the year, New Year's resolutions, exactly. etc. <laughs> uh, Lingoda offers two different concepts of their language sprint. There is the more intense version, which is 30 lessons per month for two months. And if you meet all of the conditions and go to all of your classes, Classes, then you get 100% cash back, which is a great opportunity. That's a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or if 30 lessons per month is a little too much for you, but you still want to push yourself, they have the other less intense, but still intense version, which is 15 classes a month for two months and you get 50% cash back. Yes, so you can join the first sprint challenge of the year. And if you use our code WINWITHUTS, it's kind of a longer code this time, WINWITHUTS, we're going to put it in the description too. You can even save an additional 20 euros or 25 US dollars off your deposit that you're going to have to pay when you first sign up. Um, So yeah, the link is also in the description or podcast show notes, wherever you're listening or watching right now. You can just click on that and check it out. So you guys probably have seen the title of this episode and know that we have a guest this week. 
Or I guess we should say two guests. Two guests. <laughs> yeah. Or week- actually, secretly three guests, mm, but they yes. didn't announce that at the time that we recorded this. <laughs> True. We didn't even know that we were interviewing Mm-mm. three people. We should probably explain real quick. So as you can see, our guests are the Black Forest family, Ashton and Jonathan. I mean, they not the whole family was part of it because they already do have a son. He walked in briefly into the Zoom call, but he didn't actually <laughs> participate in the interview. But yeah, Ashton is actually pregnant again with their second child. And they announced that a little bit after. After we recorded this episode, which was back in mid-December. So just for context, for you guys to know. It was a really fun uh, interview and we're excited to share it with you guys. Uh, they're an American couple that lives in Germany, has been living here for quite a few years now. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually even built a house here. So they're also in a different region of Germany than where I live. They're in the Black Forest, hence the name Black Forest Family. So it was really cool to be able to talk to them and understand uh, some of their perspectives on life here. And yeah, we're excited to be able to share it with you guys. Yeah, it was a really cool conversation. So let's jump into the interview. So we're now here with Ashton and Jonathan uh, tuning in from the Black Forest. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having us. Thank you. Very glad that we could make it happen. You guys were actually a very popular request from our viewers and listeners. That's very flattering. (laughs) A surprise for us, but that's very nice to hear. (laughs) So uh, we made it happen, guys. It, and actually, like, we made it happen relatively quickly. We've had other guests where we tried to make it happen for, like, a year. And, mm-hmm. um, I mean, with you guys, it took, like, maybe a month or so. So it was actually relatively easy, even though it's the holiday season right now that we're recording this in. Yeah, I think that's, like, for everybody, it's such a weird time with, like, work schedules and family schedules. So this is really nice. Yeah. Especially yes. if you live in a country where your family isn't located. And then in the U.S., you don't only have Christmas, you have Thanksgiving. I know you guys went home for Thanksgiving and then there's Christmas and then like Josh is uh, traveling. Of course. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I you, you guys said that you had just recently been in the U.S. And I was like, why would they go to the U.S. before Christmas? But that makes perfect sense now. Thanksgiving. OK, <laughs> now, uh, now, now you guys aren't weird. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> why would you go home before that? <laughs> Well, it sort of worked out for us, too, because um, our son's birthday is in late November. And Mm -hmm. so for his first birthday, we kind of just celebrated it here. But we like he misses out on like the big family party. So we have been thinking that maybe we'll start doing an every other year kind of thing Mm -hmm. where we'll be able to go back for Thanksgiving plus our son's birthday. Mm-hmm. And then the next year we'll go home for Christmas. And that'll also give us an opportunity to like actually make Christmas memories here in our home in Germany. Yeah. Because while it's wonderful to be around our extended family during the holidays, like like as his parents, we still want to have like those memories where like yeah. he wakes up in the morning and he runs downstairs and he looks under mm-hmm. the Christmas tree and not necessarily like just being on an airplane. Yeah. Yeah. So. That makes sense. Yeah. Your own little family traditions that you'll build over time. Well, before we maybe get more into all that, for all of our viewers and listeners who don't know you, maybe you could introduce yourselves real quick. You guys have a YouTube channel called The Black Forest Family, um, and you've been in Germany for quite a while. So maybe you can kind of get started about who you are um, and what made you come to Germany and maybe why you ended up staying, too. You should probably yeah, start. Yeah, I've been here the longest, so I'll go ahead and get started. Mm-hmm. Um So I started working for a bike company out of college, and I was in Connecticut in the United States. Um, Mm -hmm. I was there for about a year. They have uh, kind of like a, you go to an office, live there for a while, and get to experience the culture and the office. So I went to Taiwan for three months. Mm -hmm. Um, And once my Taiwan trip was over, my boss was like, hey, we have an office in Freiburg, Germany. You can go and stay there for a couple of years. And I'm like, at this point, like I'm a pretty young guy. I'm single, I just have a dog, and I'm like, 
Well, yes, I speak absolutely <laughs> no German. I think nine was the only word I knew at the time. But it's I'm a pretty like, important one. All right, let's go for it. <laughs> so, yeah, it was nine and a half years ago, and I'm still here now. Um, but wow. to answer your question, why I'm still here is because I'm still in the bike industry. Mm-hmm. And this town specifically is just like the mecca for cycling in Germany. Like, this is where a lot of the pros live. This is the best mm-hmm. place wow. for me to go and just ride my bike all day through the Black Forest or into the Alsace region of France. Um, I mean, the the lifestyle here is just by bike every day. So for me, mm-hmm. it's always been a perfect fit. Um, it's a very outdoorsy town. So honestly, like after being here for this long now, like it still feels like a vacation every day. And I tell really? that to everybody. I'm like, it's, I'm not just saying that. Like it is a very, <laughs> very nice place to live. Um, and mm-hmm. Germany also is just a fantastic country from what I've experienced so far. And then you joined me as well. Yeah. Yeah, so I um, I was originally a, a university instructor in the United States, um, but I like only, and I say that like in air quotes, like only had my master's degree. So like from an academic perspective, until you have a terminal degree, you're not eligible for promotion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I had always known that I needed to go back and get my PhD. It was something I wanted to do. Um, but then Jonathan and I, met and started dating and started talking and then like that sort of grew into this idea of like well what if I tried to go get my PhD in Germany and that could maybe be a way that I could actually join you because we were like really doing the long distance thing. Yeah. You guys started long distance right? Yeah yeah like I mean I mean really long distance so like we joke all the time that our third date was a trip to Puerto Rico because I had spring break because I'm on university time and I was like well, Missouri's cold and terrible this time of year. And if we have to get on a plane to see each other, let's go somewhere nice. And like mm-hmm. that just sort of became like this common thread through our relationship where we would just travel to different places because again, like we were so far apart and it always meant a mm-hmm. plane ride Yeah, that yeah. that just sort of became like a thing for us. And then I was really lucky and got into the PhD program in Freiburg. So that was sort of like a huge relief from a logistical standpoint. Yeah, I mean, we were very lucky that was even capable of happening because yeah. she was looking at colleges <laughs> all over Germany too and yeah. in Switzerland and like it was hard to even just get a bite. But the, the fact that you got one here, yeah. that's a really nice thing. Yeah, that's so awesome. I, I actually just uh, wrapped up my PhD in May. So I'm officially Congratulations. Done. Thank you. Yeah, have you already good did- to like... Have like you already defended it? Student. Are you a doctor yeah. now? Or are you, okay, I am. I am, I am doctor, Frau doctor. Technically, yes. although I've never been like actually addressed as that, <laughs> except for like, but I have the. We're have waiting the, for the day. <laughs> I have the piece of paper, so. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So like, that's officially done. That chapter of my life is over. Um, so I'm like, I'm no longer the serial student mm-hmm. that <laughs> is perpetually in class. But um, yeah, so I've been here four and a half years. Then. Okay. Um, yeah. And. Yeah, we got married, had a kid, and yeah, obviously now we just we, we live here now. So yeah, we bought a house here, so we're here for the long term. Yeah, because you know, right. I mean, that... you buy a house here and the house forever. Yeah. Right? So that's... <laughs> well, so now we're gonna get into some of the questions that we've prepared, right? We wanted to give you guys a chance yeah. to introduce yourselves. I recently heard, and you guys, I know you've done a video, and you guys also have a blog that helps that helps people answer their questions when they're moving to Germany. S- similar experiences that the three of us definitely share, having moved from the U.S. Uh, to Germany, but I recently heard a rumor at work. Maybe it's not a rumor. Someone said that when you buy a house, at least in Bavaria, you can't sell it again for ten years. Correct. Is that true? Well, it's not that you can't. Can't is a strong word. You or, okay, can, yes. 
there's just huge financial disincentives not to. Yeah. yeah. Um, so like in the US, the I mean, it's not called the exact same word, but in the States, there's something called like capital gains tax. Mm-hmm. So if you sell your house before two years, you owe capital gains tax on the profit. Uh, okay. um, from what we've been told, the capital gains period, instead of two years in the States, it's 10 years in Germany. Um, and then on top of that, many banks, including the one that we actually got our home loan through, they have a stipulation written in there that says that they're guaranteed um, interest on the loan for 10 years. So even if we don't hold the loan for 10 years, if we were to sell the house after eight, they would still expect those other two years of interest payments from us. So yep. yeah, I mean, like, it's not like you can't sell your house, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, so if you're like trying to flip a house, then you really need to flip the house and actually make a profit. So yeah, and run it as yeah. a business, really. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's yeah. what most people do: is you own a house and you rent it out, and you can write off all of the maintenance that's done on the house. Mm-hmm. But if you're in it yourself, you can't mm-hmm. write anything off. Yeah, and like that's also that lines up with the culture on home ownership in Germany, right? Like, yeah. ten years is still kind of considered. I mean, it's not considered super short, but it's most people, as you say own their house for life. So 10 years is still a yeah. relatively short time period in our minds, I guess, from the German mentality. Whereas here in the US, I actually did a video you about just- that a few months ago. It's so normal to sell your house after two years or a few years and um, have several homes throughout your life that you own. Mm-hmm. But then you you move again and you move again. Yeah. And you just keep graduating to like a well, bigger yeah. house. And in Germany, it's like, I finally can afford a house. That is it. Exactly. Well, but it's like, it's why like, I don't even know if they have this, this phrase in German, but like in, in the States, it's totally common to have your starter home. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like that. Right. Like, like this is it. Like there's no intention of this being your forever home. It's literally called like, oh, this is our starter home because it's meant right. to be yeah. a building block of wealth. Um, yeah. That's a really. it's a very interesting um, way to look at it, because that's definitely a thing that I've experienced being here. And I, I own a home now. And that's like you talk about, oh, that's a first that's a great first house or great first home. And that's how Americans talk about it, like a starter home. Mm-hmm. And then other people will say, oh, this is hopefully going to be our forever home. And in Germany, all my German friends say, oh, it's so cool that you own a home. Like that's just that they yeah. that's a goal that a lot of people will never accomplish or don't even think of really because we have this big renters culture in Germany and people don't even really try to um, buy their own homes. And as you said, it's financially challenging. There's a lot of transaction fees, blah, blah, blah. And then if you're in the big cities, it's really hard to find anything that you can afford anyways. Sometimes I feel like I'm not like a full adult because uh, I mean, I left the US before I owned a home there. And now I mean, I live in Munich. There's no way I'm going to be affording a home in Munich anytime soon. I would uh, never yeah. have a home right now if I never left Germany. Like one, yeah. I'm the first one out of all of my friends and I'm not the most successful one either. It's just like it's so normal here and it's easy to afford to, at least in the area that I live in. Yeah, the, the property prices shock us. Like we often hear in the comment section of our videos because we've made a few videos about our home buying pro- like experience and yeah. a lot of people always comment on Munich, um, but the Freiburg property yeah. market is often overlooked. Um, really? It's... The only way I can describe it is that like buying a house in Freiburg is like trying to buy a house in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's like the property. I mean, that's yeah. why we moved like to the outskirts of town. So we're yeah. actually not in okay. Freiburg. We're actually mm-hmm. like 20 kilometers out of town because that's the okay. only way we're capable of doing it. Yeah, yeah. Getting a house that was like big enough 
for like to grow for 10 years. That's the other thing too. It's like, you have to think about like what you think your family is going to look like in 10 years. So if you're going to buy something like that was always in the back of our minds is like, well, you need a house that can like grow with your family and not just yeah. be for yeah. like the present. Because if we're buying it, like <laughs> yeah. we're keeping it for not a while. Not a starter home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel like that's such a, a, a huge change from the mentality that we have. Because you guys are both technically from the Midwest, right? Because mm-hmm. you're from Kansas City and somewhere in central Illinois, right? Yeah. Originally. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. Like middle of nowhere, central Illinois. Yeah. My, my dad's a farmer. So I often yeah. am like a few hours south of Chicago. Yeah, so I mean, for us, I mean, the Midwest prices compared to German or like yeah. the East Coast, the what the coasts in the U.S. is just unbelievable. When I talk, talk to my friends, I'm like, I'm thinking about investing in a home in the U.S. just because I can purchase one now, uh, mm-hmm. compared to buying one here. But yeah, that's a lot of house talk, though. I don't <laughs> no, know I'm I'm actually <laughs> interested because I know you guys made um, a few videos about it, but. Yeah. It's crazy because so many Germans don't even go through that process at this time of their lives, at least. Like, that's something that some people do that, like, later on when they're much older. But you guys aren't even from Germany and you did it. And I'm just wondering, um, yeah, what were, like, the main points about your experience? What were, like, the things that surprised you the most, the things that were the most challenging? I know you have, like, a lot of videos about it, but if you just had to summarize it. I think for me, the biggest surprise, like at the time we purchased our house before really inflation started kicking in, where the interest rates that we could get, like the KFW subsidies, we can get a loan through and like some of those are around 1%. So like when you're shopping for a house, you can get qualified for it. Like it's essentially free money, right? Mm -hmm. Because the interest rates are so low. Like for me as an American, just like seeing what you can afford with a certain amount of money, like it goes a lot further than it does in the US. So like to just have that experience, I'm like, oh, we can actually kind of get that. Yeah, I think for me though, like, so we get a lot of emails and messages on Instagram from other immigrant people who are also interested in buying a home and they're often Mm -hmm. asking us like, well, how did you guys do it? And I think that the thing that surprised me a lot, um, you know, when the housing market crashed in 2008, it hurt everyone globally, but it was interesting in that it didn't affect Germany as bad. And one of the reasons why it didn't affect Germany as bad is because German banks are generally more risk averse. So for and us, so are actually, the we were German residents too, just not yeah, a lot so, of people yeah, had a mortgage. <laughs> Right. So like, well, one of the things that's like really interesting actually is one of the stipulations is it's going to be nearly impossible without, unless you have just a ton of capital, um, a German bank is probably not going to lend you any money unless you have permanent residency in Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time that we applied for the loan, only Jonathan had permanent residency. I mm-hmm. still have temporary residency. So even when we were like applying for a loan, they would only look at Jonathan's income. They wouldn't even address mine, even though we're married, because like you have to have, yeah, like you have to be a permanent residence here, resident here because they want to make sure like you're not just going to like take out a loan and then run. Mm -hmm. I I mean, but that's like actually really hard because getting a permanent resident permit as an American takes quite a bit of time still. It's like the holy grail of living in Germany as a foreigner. It's It's, uh, a... Talk to me about it. I had a blue card, then I had to give it up, and now I'm trying to get back on a blue card. It's a uh, oh, no. it's a whole experience, <laughs> which is also stupid because I was still making enough money. It's just it was commission based, so they don't consider commission as your income. Oh, it's only your base. So my base went below the limit. But yeah, 
talk to me about it. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Well, but it's but it's hard though because like oftentimes we'll get like um, people who are thinking about moving to Germany and they're like, hey, I think I'm gonna like take this job in Germany and I'd like to buy a house and it's like you're probably yeah. not gonna be able to do it for five to seven years mm-hmm. and yeah. and that's tough as an American again because we come from this like house buying culture. So if you mm-hmm. owned a home in the states but now you have to go back to renting for five to seven years, like that can sometimes be quite a shock. Yeah. And I mean, I do have a green card, but you can buy a house in the U.S. without that. You can. I don't know what the visa requirements are, but I think it's pretty. I don't even know if there are any. (laughs) I think it's pretty easy. You can just buy a house in the U.S. even if you aren't a permanent resident. Yeah, it's it's I mean, well, they got the states into trouble a while back. So we'll see if that's going to come back and bite us again. But I mean, like on the one hand, it makes me feel really secure in the mm-hmm. German economy because they mm-hmm. have all of these like secured like security measures in place but at the same time you got to work for it yeah <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, got to really true. make sure you want it before you do it <laughs> exactly yes. and you guys didn't only buy the house you built it even right mm-hmm. well we went through a developer okay yeah but you had some say in it yes, yes. okay yeah so to an extent, but uh, to, yes. To an extent. We couldn't actually change the like physical plans because those mm-hmm. had already been approved by the city and like the permitting process in Germany takes years. So there was no way they were going to like edit floor plans, but choosing the materials, um, choosing the finishes and fixtures and like that kind of stuff, we had and the total landscaping and everything. Yeah. yeah. What are some of the biggest differences between your home now and like a home that you would have owned? in the U.S. in terms of like maybe materials or the layout or those kinds of things? Well, I think the biggest probably is the price per square meter because I mean, it's so much like our house right now is like 116 square meters, but it's like 1500 square feet for Mm -hmm. anybody in the American listening. Um, But like the size of house you could get for the same money in the United States would probably be 4,000 square feet. So mm-hmm. like yeah. depending on where you live, I mean, yeah, really for the really Midwest. Good. So this is Kansas City yeah. or Central Illinois mm-hmm. that you could buy a house three times the size for the same well, amount of money, easily at least. Yeah, I mean, but like our house here. Uh, so like my master's is in architecture, so I really appreciated um, just how like sound this house is. Like the mm-hmm. so the majority of residential homes in the United States are going to be built out of like wood framing. Right. Um, it's the typical thing that you'll see that what Germans always make fun of. <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. exactly. Yes. And, we houses, live in, and, yeah. like, and you live in Tornado Alley. Exactly. Why would you not build a house out of concrete? What are you thinking? Yeah. <laughs> um, but our house here is, is um, poured concrete, like reinforced concrete. And then like the heating systems are different. Like we have underfloor heating, whereas in the States it's normally like forced air heat. Mm-hmm. Um, and air conditioning and things like, like we don't have air conditioning yeah, but it's also like crazy efficient like we were in yeah. the united states for two weeks like it was here maybe zero degrees celsius or in the single digits and we came back and it was at that point 17 degrees celsius over those and two weeks like the temperature like no we had the heat on. No, we had it we had, actually we didn't know we had it off we thought we had it on but we had the computer programmed wrong before we left so okay. it took uh-huh. us like three days to figure out how to turn it back on again yeah that was funny yeah that was a, so a, a, are you able to live without ac I'm, it sounds like you are i'm totally used to it now for the most part Where except Ashton's for like, like maybe <laughs> a few weeks out of the year and i'm yeah. like that's just well this new house is immensely better our old apartment in Freiburg where like in some of our very early videos when we started when we were still like living in the city center that building was built in 1860 and we lived in the attic apartment that faced southwest and there was no Rolladen on the windows and an Altstadt and an Altstadt so like to say that we 
baked on some summer days is not like an, an exaggeration. No, exactly. that was uncomfortable. That was that was very uncomfortable. Yeah. But no, our new house is a lot more efficient. Like just the thermal mass of the house means that like it takes days for this house to heat up or days mm -hmm. for it to cool down. Mm -hmm. And um, I think we've adapted pretty well though too. Like there are a lot of days like where we were in the United States, we're like, oh yes, of course you would turn on the AC. And now we're like, just open a window. Like you'll be exactly. fine for like months longer. Just <laughs> open a window all the for time a while. now. When I go home for, in the, I normally go home twice a year, once in the summer, once uh, for Christmas. And when I'm home in the summer, I'm like, yeah, it's, I mean, it's hot, but like, just, just open a window for a bit and we'll be okay. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And I mean, now like with the whole energy crisis going on, that's like a whole other like, you know, facet to the heating and cooling scenario too, because it just doesn't affect Americans the same way that it affects people mm -hmm, here in course. the EU. And so like, I don't think a lot of Amer and plus energy prices have just always been yeah, lower. Yeah. So like they don't really, I mean, of, yeah. of course it's still sometimes a struggle for some people to heat and cool their homes, but not to the same extent or like the same severity. So like a lot, like that's why like so many places in the States are like over climate controlled. Yeah. And yeah, like, like my brother, for instance, lives in Houston, Texas, which has mm -hmm. some like the lowest energy costs and he's paying 15 cents per kilowatt hour. And we just got a note in the mail that we're paying like 57 mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. So like, <laughs> Yeah. It's crazy. Just run the AC there that nobody really thinks about it. And it's just yeah. on all the time. Yeah. yeah. And like what you said, too, is people just don't even think about opening the windows. I remember my first semester here back in 2016, I was I got sick a few times in the first few weeks because I had um, classes. I was in university and it was like Cincinnati's very hot and humid in the summer. So it was like 30 something degrees Celsius outside and very, very humid. And I, after a while, I started wearing long pants and like long sleeve everything because if I wore my normal clothes, like summer clothes, I would get super sick being in this I don't even know what it was. It felt like 18 degrees Celsius, like, I don't know, 55 degrees Fahrenheit or something inside all day long. It was freezing. Like, it was very, very, very cold. So I started, like, doing the thing where I just suffered outside so that I could be okay inside. And then literally the day that the temperatures dropped, like, first real fall day, I was like, okay, finally, it's going to be fine. You know, it's like the perfect temperature outside now. So, you know, they don't even have to use AC or heat. And then they started heating like crazy. And I was like, are you guys insane? It's finally the perfect temperature, right? It's like 20 degrees Celsius outside, like, I don't know, 68 degrees Celsius outside, uh, Fahrenheit outside. And I go inside and it's like an oven. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> if you like, I understand. Okay, if Americans oh, like a cold, keep it cold all year round. What I do not understand to this day, and a lot of Americans do this in their cars too, when it's hot outside, they need it like at 15 degrees Celsius. And when it's cold outside, they want it at like 35 degrees. And I don't understand that. Well, That's I've caught myself doing the exact same thing. I'm like, why do I have the heat blasting right now? Normally, I would have the air conditioning on if it was that hot it's outside yeah. and I'm in my car. Yeah. Well, and you know, if you want like a funny like reverse culture shock, um, the very first time I came to Germany... Uh, was over the summertime to visit Jonathan, but also to go to mm -hmm. some of these interviews that you have to like get into a PhD program. So I had mm -hmm. an interview scheduled with a person who was going to be my PhD supervisor. And um, like I knew that like houses didn't typically have air conditioning, but I wasn't expecting university buildings to not be mm -hmm. air conditioned. Mm -hmm. So like 
I brought along with me like my professional clothes, you know, like my like dress pants and like a long sleeve. Yeah. Like, granted, it's July. It was like, like 38C that it day. It was like 38C <laughs> that day. And it's like a long sleeve shirt because I'm like in my professional like button, like trying to like look at it. Anyway, we like sit in this like meeting room and it's so hot. And I'm trying like so gracefully to not look like I'm dying in this. Yeah. I'm like wiping the sweat from my brow. Like it's fine. Don't, don't look like you're just sweating like profusely because. I'm trying to make a good impression here, but mm-hmm. yeah, I was not used to the, I was not used to the heat at first. It took some, some time. Yeah. That's actually something like in universities and schools and work settings too. I mean, everyone suffers from it. So I honestly feel like Germany should start at least in like, I mean, they do it for new office buildings, but they should start implementing it to a certain extent. Cause I remember being in university and just dying and you can't concentrate with that. Yeah. And then um, <clears throat> as you guys talked about the ceiling fans aren't really a thing in German buildings either. And then if you don't have a university that supplies like a floor fan for every single room you're just going to be suffering throughout the summer so i honestly i'm i'm with americans on that point in terms of public buildings to yeah. a certain extent they don't have to overdo it like they do at the university of cincinnati where they you don't <laughs> cool have to it have down everything to... on full blast all the yeah. time <laughs> just put well, it to a normal wanna, temperature if you want something like sort of funny and i have no idea if you're going to show this video at all like along with the podcast but like you asked about what we've done with our house Yes. <laughs> yes. The ceiling fence. Yep. We have one in like every room. You don't understand how jealous I am right now. Well, okay. So we have to, we do, um, this podcast does come out on YouTube and uh, as an audio version. So for those of you who are only listening right now, um, they just showed us the ceiling fan in their room that they're in right now. So yeah. you guys implemented that American element to your German house. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That was one of the like American things that, but like they're so shockingly difficult to find in Germany. Yeah. Like, like we had to go onto like Amazon to order and we had like four options. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm probably being a little dramatic. There's probably more than four, but not, not like, it's not like you yeah. can just like walk into like, like in the States we have like Lowe's or Home Depot where they just have like a million of them. Yeah. Yes, know, like exactly. When you go into OB, they don't just have them out the door. Yeah, you have no. to go yeah, and here there's like a ceiling yeah. fan section in the hardware store. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's like a million online. Now I'm intrigued. You say it's one of the few American things in your home. What are some of the other American things in your home? Ooh, we talked about this. and We thought the second refrigerator downstairs was an American thing, but everybody okay. told us in the comments that a lot of people here also have one. We just thought yeah. it was American, my family but it's does, actually yeah. not. Yeah, my okay. fa- I think it's more a space thing. I don't even think it's a cultural thing. I think it's just so many Germans don't have the space for a second fridge. So that's why they don't have it. But mm-hmm. like my parents and like my aunt's house, like they have the space for it. So they all have a second fridge, too. I think like the probably the other like like there's a bunch of just little things like we still will use like we have like a really heavy queen size weighted blanket that we use mm-hmm. on our bed. Whereas, like, in Germany, they still, you know, you'll traditionally have, like, a separate blanket for each person who's sleeping mm-hmm. on the bed. So we and still even share separate, a blanket. And even separate mattresses. mattresses. Right. Yeah, no, we still have we still have our American we bed. We have the we one I brought over, over oh, really? a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. like, although, but it's, it's it, we're going to have to get rid of it eventually yeah. because we can only, like, buy sheets and stuff for it, like, in the uh, States, which is quite annoying. I never even but, thought about that. Yeah. Yeah, like, just random things. Like, you have a really giant American TV. Of course. Okay. Like, I don't, well, do you uh, have an American fridge as in like with an ice dispenser? We looked for we them, looked but like, for it. like the only ones that we could find were like you have to pour the water into the fridge for it to then give you the water back out. And we're like, that's huh. not really what we're looking no. for. Like you want to plumb it into the wall and just like you don't want to think about it. Wall. Yeah. Yeah. I know like, they like exist in Germany. Yeah. Interesting. Well, my, we couldn't actually, really find anything. Not, yeah. 
When I was a kid, we had one. Um, it was because my parents bought a house, they didn't build it, and the previous owners liked this whole like American stuff. They weren't Americans, they were Germans, but they had an American fridge. So like my first amazing childhood memories were like this magical ice maker that like made the ice cubes and you could have crushed ice. And then my parents eventually got rid of it because nobody in my family needs ice. So... We didn't need I'm it. Super jealous. I'm like jealous we, we of buy that. ice at the grocery store. We do. Like, like really? which we can, we can make our own, obviously, but it's sometimes it's nicer just to buy a bag and just yeah. pull them out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, especially when that, people are visiting and we have like a lot yeah, exactly. of people because then you like can't really make it quick enough for like if you have yeah. a lot Exactly. Of That's the problem I always have when I have people over and like you want to make a cocktail or something. Okay, let me get my little ice tray out and use the five <laughs> ice cubes that I have available <laughs> from my shoebox size uh freezer. Yeah, I think yeah, I, I think our entryway though too. So our entryway okay. may be more American than what most people are used to here. Like I think a lot of Germans typically will have like wardrobes in the entryway, everything you take on and off in the entryway and yeah, like ours is, is more of a very empty. Yeah. Yeah, it's more because, like, in the States, like, your entryway is more like an entrance to your home. So it's like a mm-hmm. first impression and they'll like decorate it a little bit more. But and I think like the only last thing that I can think of is like you really like made the garage your like man space which is a very like american dad thing to do so he like built his own little like workshop area with all of his tools displayed Mm -hmm. workbench yeah and like it's not just a place to store the car i'm I'm sure there are some people in germany too who like really love working on things and probably have something similar in their Mm -hmm. garage but like that's like a pretty typical thing in the states is like Mm -hmm. to have like a like Like the garage hang everything on Mm -hmm. exactly Yeah. yeah And we don't have house shoes yet. No. <laughs> <laughs> so you haven't been Germanized that much yet. <laughs> Not completely, no. <laughs> but as you said, your plan is to stay in Germany permanently, or is there any possibility that you'll ever move back to the U.S.? <sighs> I mean, honestly, the biggest thing pulling us back to the United States is just family. Like, yeah. all of our family is there. We have nobody here except for some of my extended family that we met up in northern Germany mm, at the yeah. beginning of this year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, our parents and siblings are all in the United yeah. States. But mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's not looking very likely we'll be moving back at any time in the future. I mean, especially as our son grows up. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it'll be up to him. He has an American passport still right now, but he can still get a German passport in like six yeah. years, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's just hard. I mean, it's it's difficult because we really, I mean, like we consciously choose to live in Germany because we like the lifestyle that we have mm-hmm. and we like, we love our jobs, we love our friends. Like we're really building a life here. And like the more permanent that life becomes, it, it, it does get really difficult. Um, and like, especially being Americans or like immigrants that aren't specifically within the EU, Um, I know like there's another content creator that has spoken about this quite a bit in the past of just like, you know, it's, it's even difficult to like, if you have aging parents, Mm -hmm. like I can't just easily bring my parents here. Right. Cause like, we're not even EU citizens. So that, that like adds another layer of complexity to all of that. So I think Mm -hmm. like we can't predict the future, but I think like we're, we're as permanent as permanent can get for now. I think so, yeah. <laughs> With the, yes. like the for now is like the disclosure <laughs> at the bottom. <laughs> yeah. That's like yeah. the little American disclosure of like not wanting to plan too much. But then for, I think, German eyes, you're pretty permanent because you have a house. <laughs> so that's exactly. like yeah. two German eyes that means, okay, you're going to be there until you die. <laughs> 
yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, of course, of course, you can still sell houses in Germany. It's possible. A lot of people just don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I was just gonna say, uh, fingers crossed that the German uh, government passes its uh, proposed uh, resolution for uh, us yeah. to be able to get passports without having to give up our American citizenship. That would yeah, be ideal. Yeah, for sure. I guess they're talking about it this month. So I'm curious oh, really? to hear what oh, they do to continue. Now, okay. Like, I think well, it's only to like move it they're, forward. They're discussing it. Yeah. It's like, I think what I had heard from a reporter, like there's a somebody I follow on TikTok who does like reporting um, mm-hmm. and she reported on this. And I think she said they were discussing it in December, but like the absolute earliest that they would even begin to vote on something wouldn't be until like May or June next year. Mm-hmm. Fine but by me still, because I still I, I still have fine by me too. Yeah, like once that goes through, I'm like putting mine in like that second. So I have to wait a bit longer than you guys to be eligible if the resolution uh, resolution does go through. But uh, that's why I don't care. They can they can still take two years as far as I'm concerned. But uh, for you guys, yes, f- thumbs pressed and fingers crossed that it yes. uh, goes quickly. <laughs> well, um, you just mentioned your your son who was born in Germany, right? Yeah two years ago. So, I mean, that's kind of like leads me into the next topic that I'm very curious about is how has your experience being a parent, raising a child in Germany been like? I mean, I think he's your first child, right? So you don't really have a lot of experience in the US, but I mean, you still hear from your probably siblings, friends from your old childhood. You can probably still compare it to a certain extent. So yeah, what what do you have to say about that topic? Ooh, I mean, (laughs) it's... So raising a, a little one here, it there's so many, like it's just one of those things where we talk about all the time, like there are a lot of challenges, but there's a lot of things that really make it worth it. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's been really, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's been really tough not having family around, yeah. right? Like ours, like all of our siblings with maybe the exception of like your brother, they all live very close to our parents. So mm-hmm. if they ever like need grandma or grandpa to come over and babysit because they like have an errand to run, they mm-hmm. can do that. Or like if right. your your child gets sick at school, like grandma and grandpa can step in and like help help with things no, like or that. Or I have to work late tonight at work <laughs> or we're going to go out for a weekend to just have like us together time. And yeah, yeah that's yeah. just completely right. gone. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's completely gone. We have to hire babysitters for everything. But I mean... Yeah, it like logistically makes that like aspect of it a bit harder. But like at the same time, I love the culture that surrounds being a child in Germany mm-hmm. because of the, it, I, I just feel like children here are a lot more free in the sense that like they're given a lot more like responsibilities and they're like, I don't know, like, I feel like, like, children here are, like, a full member of the community and society, mm-hmm. whereas, like, in the States, like, kids are something that's, like, really sheltered and protected. Nowadays. Nowad- yeah, like, nowadays. Like, being in Germany now, mm-hmm. watching children reminded me of being a child where I grew up because I rode my bike to work, or to, work to work, to school every day. <laughs> that, that probably felt like work. Oh, boy. It, it did. It did. <laughs> I was not the best student. So it was work for me. But anyway, I got to go ride my bike back and forth. Like, I went on bike rides with my friends. We got to go mm-hmm. run around by ourselves. We went trick-or-treating by ourselves. But, like, mm-hmm. most of the United States these days, you can't necessarily... Or do you, that no, uh, but in germany like i see kids walking to school that are six years old they're by themselves mm-hmm. yeah and i'm like okay but now i'm used to it but if i just moved here i'd be like what's wrong Man, why is that tra- or like yeah, or like the, we're living the in the city center they'd like be like just taking public transit they'll usually yeah. be with like their friends 
but mm. at a much younger age than I think would be like socially acceptable in the States to just like mm-hmm. send your child alone on public yeah. transit. Like it would have gotten some very like weird. The police are going to call on you. Yeah. Yeah. But like, but like here, like that's like totally, that's just totally normal. And I think, I think too, it's important to talk again about like having family here supporting us, like not supporting yeah. us, but in the United States, a lot of families do support families. Um, mm-hmm. Like parents, grandparents will come and take care of your child after work because or after school because you still are late coming home for work. But that's also the work-life balance that the United States has versus Germany. In yeah. Germany, like for us, I've been very happy to have more time at home with our son because I'm not forced to work 80-hour weeks because like it's actually fairly regulated. Mm-hmm. You're not allowed to do that. I mean, you get 30 days of vacation every single year so you can spend time with your family. Um, spending time with family is encouraged, not sitting yeah. all of your time at the desk. So in the U.S., um, yes, we would have more family support, but at that same time, I would probably be forced to work for much more of my time. Um, so that's one of the reasons we're actually mm-hmm. pretty happy to raise a child here because of the work-life balance is very well I was well going to say, were you able to take advantage of the parental leave, the Elternzeit? Um, Unfortunately, not with Jack. So okay. that was that was a... Yeah, we, we battled with that. So, like, at the time when Jack was born, I was a PhD student. So, like, I, of course, got the six weeks prior and the eight weeks after of, like... Which is already a lot for American standards. It is. Yes. It is a yeah. lot by American standards. And this is by no means me complaining, because um, it is. Like, by American standards, it's a lot, but... Um, yeah, no, I wasn't, I wasn't I, trying to say that you're complaining. I was just oh, kind no, of no. giving context <laughs> for everyone no. listening, because, yeah... <laughs> Uh, well, like, so like one of the things that I ran into, cause I was a PhD student, I had a, um, research fellowship that was time sensitive mm-hmm. and I was essentially told by this fellowship that, um, if I wanted to take, um, Elternzeit that, um, I, I, like I could take it like legally I'm entitled to it, but I would have to forfeit my scholarship for the time that I was mm-hmm. taking it. They wouldn't like extend it on outwards. And because I was working towards this PhD, like I felt like I really, like I, 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 we kind of sacrificed. It was tough. I mean, yeah, you got the DAD scholarship, which is like the most fought after scholarship. It's one of the hardest ones to get. And like we had yeah. to then balance like you continuing on and us balancing our time yeah. together, mm-hmm. raising our child and me then taking a whole bunch of time off from work as well. Just yeah. to like... But again, both of these things but it happening. like made it tough for you to take the Elternzeit too because I'm a student and my like income isn't fixed. Like Jonathan was sort of like the sole income earner for our family, so like mm-hmm. taking Elternzeit also too. I mean, it was a balance, but like I feel like we'll probably take advantage of it more if, if we like decide to expand our family mm-hmm. because it is such a wonderful, wonderful benefit, and and it's like like logistically interesting too because this is something. Um, we're probably going to make a video on next year as like a fun little preview. But, you know, in Feli, you might be somewhat familiar with this, but it's, it's not common in many areas of Germany, but like, at least like our area tends to be a bit more conservative in this, uh, putting your child in Kita before the age of like 10 months to one year Mm -hmm. is kind of looked at like that is, it isn't as commonly done. That's true. So. Maybe for context for those non-Germans, uh, Kita is daycare, basically, right? Yes. Yeah, Slash daycare for kindergarten. Kids. The, yeah. 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 
Well, not the American kindergarten, but the German kindergarten. Yeah. (laughs) So basically, kita is the newer term for kindergarten. I think kindergarten isn't the actual official term anymore in Germany that's used in... In our area, it is. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, so... I think kita is different than kindergarten. No, not in Munich. Yeah, in our area. Ah. Yeah, it's 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 weird how it's like different area to area. In our area, Kita mm. is specifically for like little babies through yeah. three. And as soon as your child turns three, he or she enters kindergarten. Okay, that's um, see, that's what, how I like always thought of it early, like mm-hmm. back when I was younger. But I don't know when they changed it and if they changed it by state or what. But I just know that nowadays in Bavaria there is no official kindergarten anymore. It's all oh, Kindertagesstätte. I mean, people will still call it kindergarten, though. Yeah. Really confused us in the comments, too. Everybody's like, no, it's not called that. It's called this. And we're like, we're pretty sure we're right about it. But like, <laughs> then we started looking into it. And like, yeah, it's kind of different everywhere. Yeah, so. yeah it, because education is a state um, issue in Germany. So you guys live mm-hmm. in Baden-Württemberg. I'm from Bavaria. So like, um, it might be different by state. Yeah. And I'm yeah, sure you're well, right about like, your area. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, but it is, but it is like tough. Like, like our new, our new um, village that we just moved to, they didn't even have a place for Jack at Akita mm-hmm. until November, and we moved here at the end of June. So, like, that's something that I think, like, I was just kind of getting at too, that made it a little bit difficult with like the time off. Is that you know, in Germany, there, there's at least in our area. I can only really comment on that so much, but like there's sort of this expectation that the baby stays home with the mom and dad, especially when they're a little baby. And that like even entering a daycare doesn't happen until a much older age. And what's typically done in the States, like in the States, it's totally normal. Like you put a six week old baby into daycare and they're like, well, of course you do because you have mm-hmm. to go back to work and there's no protected but maternity. But this is also like what we grew up seeing. So like that yeah. was the only thing we really knew. Even living in Germany for this long, I had no idea how old children were in daycare. I just kind of assumed it was similar. So for us, nope. like that was kind of a surprise that we yeah. then had to wait a year. I mean, it was great spending so much time with him, of course. I'm not mm-hmm. going to say that, but it was just kind of an expectation of somebody's going to help you take care of your child for a <laughs> yeah. little while. Yeah. And then and surprise, actually- you don't have your family there to help you. <laughs> Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the whole Kindertagesstätten um, places, are that's actually a big issue. I mean, there was a thing a few years ago, I don't remember how long ago at this point, where they um, made it a legal thing that every kid has a right to a spot in a Kindertagesstätte. And if you don't get one, I guess you can sue for it, um, which was a big change because that wasn't a thing before. And we do have a big problem with that in Germany where we don't have enough places for all the kids. And we don't have that culture, as you said, that's established in other countries, even neighboring countries like France, for example, where it's normal that you put your kid in daycare super early on. And there is a lot of daycare facilities that have the capacities to take your kids. And it's normal to go back to work at some point. And even though we have great parental leave in Germany, you can't really stay home for two years. You have to quit your job usually in that case, or one of the parents just doesn't pursue their career. And that's like been a big issue in the whole basically just feminist movement, like plays into why, um, you know, it's difficult for women in Germany to break out of that whole system. And it's definitely a topic that has been discussed. And unfortunately, it's, it's a problem that the country hasn't really solved yet. I mean, we're great with other things in regards to kids and education, um, but not that part so much. Yeah, it's we, we talk all the time that, especially in our area, we don't know how two full-time working parents do it without a mm-hmm. lot of extra family support because, yeah. like, we're very fortunate in that, like, because I'm the one who really runs the YouTube channel, like, I can work from home. So, mm-hmm. like I mentioned before, like, so if Jack gets sick, 
and he has to stay home from Kita, like I can I can pick that up and I can carry that load. You can pause everything because it's fine. Yeah, I can pause everything because it's fine. But like, gosh, if you were like if we were in positions where both of us had full time jobs, no family support around, like, yes, of course, I can get that time off of work, but it's it's tough. Like it's yeah. really yeah. tough. I think the pandemic has helped a lot of people in that regard with being able to work from True. home more flexibly, but True. obviously there are quite a few professions where that's just simply not possible. Um, but I noticed that, especially in my work, that a lot of people, oh, they, my, my child is sick, so I'm going to work from home today. Um, and I, obviously that, especially in Germany, that wasn't an option uh, previously in the past pre-pandemic or pre-COVID. Yeah, well, we had Jack during during COVID, yeah. so that was that was like a wild, like other layer to the whole experience that yeah, threw everything through a loop. Like we, like uh, like this is probably completely off topic, but we actually like I mean I gave birth to Jack November twenty twenty, oh and that gosh. was when there were like no flights between the U.S. and Germany. So like I actually we had to petition uh, for. Uh, Apparently, the birth of a grandchild is considered essential travel, but the documentation and the hoops that we had to go through in order to not only get our parents like a ticket on a plane that was heading to Frankfurt like maybe once or twice a week, but then to actually get them through Border Patrol to say that they were actually here on a like legitimate proof that the child yeah. is your grandson you had to show yeah. every like every, the connection to the family to us and then the child had to be proved at the airport for them to be able wow. to get on the plane yeah it's pretty interesting but they made it's it so intense yeah i made it your family visited for two weeks my mom visited for two weeks my mom visited over thanksgiving and like we came back yeah. from the hospital that day and my mom like had a full thanksgiving made meal. thanksgiving while we were at the hospital and we showed wow. up there's just cool. like turkey was, stuffing and everything she's pretty amazing yeah, That's but awesome. I, well, I mean, like, it, they had to basically quarantine mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. once they arrived. So, like, we were all just, like, in our little apartment in Freiburg, like, us and a brand new baby. <laughs> like, our family, like, just yeah. like, this little pod. No Christmas yeah. markets. No Christmas markets, no. But I mean, And that, yeah. that was also the time where, like, you could only have one person with you during delivery, right? Was for part of the time. Only part of it. I was in okay. the waiting room for four hours sitting oh. on a wood. It was the vestib- yeah, it vestibule. Wasn't, it wasn't I wasn't even in the That's hospital. Generous. I was just wow. freezing like in this like no man's land between outside and in the hospital. Four hours later, they just came down and they're like, you should probably just go home for the night. Ashton's going to rest a little bit and we're going to keep working. Okay. They so you were in there in... Sorry, alone. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, no, I was there alone. They, they, they said they wouldn't allow Jonathan to come into the delivery room come into the hospital until I was in active labor, at least like six centimeters dilated. And so when I went into the hospital, like, although I was in, like I was contracting every like two minutes, um, I wasn't far enough dilated. And so I had to like, just like stay there by myself, like going through it while he literally went home because, and they said, like, at one point I had asked if I could just get up and like walk to try to see if that would help. And they were like, well, if you want your husband to walk with you, you're going to have to walk outside. And it's November oh, it at like, like 2 a.m. It was minus 2 that night. <laughs> so it was cold. super cold. So anyway. And yeah, then you're was... also in a, in a foreign country with a foreign language. I mean, I'm assuming the hospital, everything was in German, right? Um, thankfully, like the doctors pretty much speak, speak English because there's, like, okay, there's a certain point in labor where like, I don't think I had the capacity to like try to think about translating. Things. Yeah. But, it, but like, thankfully they were nice about that, but yeah. Okay, good. But, like, I think tr- truthfully harder than the delivery was the fact that after I gave birth, 
um, Jonathan was only allowed to visit for a maximum of two hours a day. Hmm. Damn. So, wow. Like, and you had a C-section too. So you're there for a week and I could only come for two hours every day mm-hmm. to like help and then just go sit at home. Yeah. But like, like, like that, like there's that bonding time that you kind of look for yeah. right after a baby, like yeah. that's really cut short. And then, yeah, like, like in the middle of the night, like in the States, normally you have you know, your room and the dad's there. So like in the middle of the night when you're starting to like trying to figure out how to, how do I feed this baby? How do mm-hmm. I change a diaper? How do I do all of that? Like, I'm, I'm just like there by myself because he already had to go home. Like that That's was tough. actually probably the harder part was mm-hmm. the, the after. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Oh my gosh. So yeah, now he's, he's two or probably yeah. right around two. Is he speaking much now? Does, how's his German if he's in the, in the, <laughs> in the Kita? Um, yeah, no, nah, so that's, so he, um, I guess like it's called Spanglish when you speak like Spanish and English. Yeah, so, I guess so Denglish. Like, Denglish. Denglish, yeah, Denglish. Yeah. He, he has yeah. a bit of Denglish. Yeah, like one uh-huh. of his first words was donk you. Really? No <laughs> yeah. way. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Have you mentioned that yeah. in the video? I haven't seen that. Uh, we might have like at one point. Uh, I, I think you need to video, make but... you need to make a whole dedicated video with just that title because that I mean, Thank you. if that doesn't Thank summarize you. his life already, then I don't know what will. Like, yeah. No, I mean, truthfully, children are amazing. I don't know how yeah. they're able to do it. No, like even when he started at Kita in Freiburg, they 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 speak exclusively German to him, mm-hmm. and even if he doesn't have the vocabulary to speak back he understands everything yep. they're saying to him because yeah. like they'll look at him and they'll say like, you know, Jack, would you like a new diaper? And he'll just look up at them and he'll go, yeah. And then he'll like <laughs> march in by himself into the like changing room to go get a new yeah. diaper. Like he understands like, yeah. like he, it's wild. Yeah, no, he's, yeah. he's speaking German at Kita and he says some German words back to us as well. And we have yeah. to speak only English to him all the time because he associates yeah. languages to people. And we can't mm-hmm. mix and match at all. Yeah. Um, no, but oh. he's getting very good at both. Yeah. The other day, the other day, uh, some like I had uh, gosh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs uh-huh. was on our television, and there was a scene where all of the animal, the woodland animals, come out of the forest, mm-hmm. and he pops up off the couch and he goes, "Mama, Mama, cuckoo, setas," <laughs> and I was, and I just like whipped my head around, I'm like. Oh. What did you just say to me? Who are you? Who are you? <laughs> Mama, cuckoo, setas, setas. I'm like, okay, I see it. I, I see it. That's amazing. Like, <laughs> Does he call you Mama? Like you go by like the German um, term or? Well, little babies in the States will usually say, yeah, say Mama, Mama and Dada. Oh, okay. Because um, the way you said it, it sounded call... very German. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he well that one mama or sometimes like he's probably doing it both, I think. But he calls mm-hmm. you daddy. Okay. Dada too. Yeah. But not but, papa. But, but not, not papa. papa. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. No. No, we use the we you, you have the American title. Yeah. Yeah. The American so fascinating. title. The, the, the English title, American sorry. English well no, but title, I don't know, like uh, even in British English do they say I don't know. I have no idea. If they say dada or daddy or if they say like papa. No, I think they say papa. I don't know, whatever. I <laughs> but has has he used any words that you guys don't know? Has that has that happened yet? It's it's kind of difficult because his pronunciation in English and German yeah. is still pretty bad. So even he's in English, we're like kind <laughs> right. of hard to understand. So yes, I'm yeah. sure he's probably saying some German phrases. We're just like, I think baby, but I'm not yeah. totally sure what it is. Like he kind of has his own language too. Oh, he's obsessed right. with the baga. Oh, he yeah. loves the baga. Yeah, like all kids are, especially boys. <laughs> 
Yeah. It's so much easier to say in German. So I mean, that's Bugger, one yeah. word that we're like, we'll just keep saying it in German because it's yeah. more what, fun. What would we even call yeah. that in English? I guess what like is it? A, I've had this conversation or? with you before, Josh. I feel like a backhoe. Yeah. Yeah, backhoe, yeah. Ex- uh-huh. Backhoe excavator. excavator that's yeah. super lame. Like, Baga sounds way cooler, yeah. so we'll just yeah. stick with yeah. that one for uh, now. Yeah, I remember when, um, I have a little brother, and I remember when he was super into Bob the Builder, I mean, Bob der Baumeister in German, um, and he had all the little toys that uh, came with it, and, you know, like, one of the things was a Baga, and then I guess, like, um, the thing that has the... I know nothing about construction. <laughs> the like Raupe. <laughs> the thing that doesn't have wheels, but like a tank kind of uh, uh-huh. thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, I don't right. know. Yeah, like the track. <laughs> it has the track on the yeah. But yeah, I mean, he would know all the terms, right? As a three-year-old or whatever at the time. So mm-hmm. that's yeah. that's how, that's very German to me, like saying Baga and like all these terms and have like your yeah. cranes and... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and some of the other things too. Like if there's a car coming down the street, he says "Achtung Auto" and then gets out of the street. So we're like, we'll stick with that one. That's okay. That's we'll keep good. saying that's that. That's good. Too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that's his German. What has your guys' experience been with learning German since you you moved here? I know I saw in one of your videos, uh, Jonathan, you said that you basically work exclusively in English, um, and I assume that you did your PhD Ashton in English as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but what has your experience been with learning German? I mean, the German that's spoken in the Black Forest isn't necessarily also always very standard. That's um, true. <laughs> so, what has been your experiences with uh, with learning the language? I mean, for me, it was slow. Like when I first moved here, it was supposed to just be for two years. And I was just like, well, I can learn some to get by. And then like once those two years are up, I'm like, well, two more years. I never really had a fixed contract here until after six years. Mm -hmm. And by that point, I'm like, oh, I really should have gone to some full-time classes. Because at that point, I was just kind of doing like classes here and there, learning at home with various apps and everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you weren't as invested, I think, because you just didn't think you were really going to stay. I wasn't. And I was racing bikes. And I'm just like, I'm going to ride my bike all weekend and in the afternoon. And I'm like, it was a big failure on my part. Um, But yes, like I speak English all, all work, like all day, English only. I come home and I watch English shows on TV. So mm-hmm. I was never really that immersed. Um, but now that I have switched to another company to work for over the last year, there's a lot more mm. German speaking in the office. And okay. they're actually starting to challenge me more now too, mm. which is now giving me finally more yeah. motivation to keep going. Um, but yeah, we're still taking classes also yeah. super early in the morning, like five in the morning, oh. because that's the only time we have time to ourselves yeah, for like a guaranteed classes. hour. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's commitment. <laughs> Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Well, I mean, like for me, I feel like my German learning was like really good in the beginning, um, but I was here one year and then the Mm -hmm. pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. And so for me, like I was in the scenario where like my research was in English, but you know, all of my team meetings were in German. I would go out to lunch with my colleagues and they would be speaking German and I would be hearing German. I would like, I was Mm -hmm. really more immersed in it. And I went from an environment where people around me were speaking German all day to, wow, now we're in a pandemic. Everybody go back to home office. Ashton will see you once every two weeks for a team meeting. And that's my exposure to people speaking, like native German speaking German. Yeah. Um, so that made it. Yeah, it's been a tough yeah, couple tough. of years. Yeah. But, but we, I mean, obviously, like since we bought a house here, but I think even more so like as a parent, I have a very strong desire to want to speak the language that my children or like, you know, that our son yeah. will speak mm-hmm. with his friends. Like when his friends yeah. come over to play, they're going to speak German to each other 
And not that I want to be like a nosy mom that's like, <laughs> no, but kids. still. But, but I want to be able to like talk. You need talk to know what they're his, talking about. I, yeah. I don't know if his friends are going to be able to speak English, so I need yeah. to be able to you talk a, to his friends and their teachers. parents, right? Like, that's the other thing. Like, Jack yeah. has been our motivation over the last year to like get up early and just like continuing to advance mm -hmm. ourselves and our understanding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, because we just need to know what's going on in his life. We can't just yeah. rely on him to just be English around us all the time. Mm -hmm. That's not the sustainable way for us to you know, continue being in Germany for a long term. I, I just thought that was an interesting, yeah, like that your child would be the motivating factor for you to try to learn a foreign language. I guess I just don't have too many friends my age at this point that I have that have children. So I don't have that conversation. I mean, my entire family lives in the US and we're all English speakers. So you don't really have that in our in our environment um mm -hmm. but it's it's cool to hear that like your child is the re one of the main motivating factors at least what it sounds like now uh, for you guys mm -hmm. to to focus on learning german because i think as an adult especially if you're in a university town surviving with just english is is possible i think as far as yeah. jobs are concerned it's a little bit more difficult your your job opportunities are a little bit more narrowed down if you don't speak german but as far as everyday life is concerned, you can get by with English and still have friends if you're, like I said, if you're in a town at least, uh, especially with the university, that you'll find English speakers. Yeah. But it's privilege. It, it can almost be sure. just kind of a curse on you, even though it is a privilege. Yeah. Because even when I was trying to learn German here, I was trying to communicate with people at the bakery or the grocery store trying to order something. I say something in German at the time, very bad. They would mm -hmm. respond back to me in English. And I'm like, I'm trying to learn here, but like nobody <laughs> wanted to. The, Help, oh, it's always that it's always and I mean this is like the utmost like compliment but it's just always that scenario where they'll be like I speak a little English oh yeah and then they speak better English than anybody we know in the United States and I'm States. just like I can guarantee <laughs> that you speak English better than I speak German because they'll be like they'll be like I speak a little English mm -hmm. yeah. ah yes if you would like to get to the train station you just need to head down the street about one mile turn right and then at the next corner where there's a little green hut you're going to go there uh Okay, great. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> that is, yeah, I think a lot of um, immigrants and people visiting have that experience in Germany because even just mm -hmm. tourists, they come there, they want to practice their German and it just doesn't happen because as soon as a German hears your accent, they're going to just respond in English. Even if you then <laughs> respond back in German, they're just going to keep speaking English to you, which to me, like I was never aware of that. But now I always try to tell like other Germans, hey, respect this person's um intention attempt. yeah attempt to try and speak german and like help them practice because germans think that they're doing everyone a favor like it's a thing of politeness like we want to make it easier oh, sure. Oh, for sure. we yeah. feel so Absolutely. but none of us think of the experience that the other person has like they feel like oh shit okay my german must be so bad that it's not even possible to respond back or my my accent is so obvious and I, i've just heard from so many people now that that's really frustrating to them so well, now when i when i'm in that situation in germany i try to respond in german <laughs> well you know i actually thought i was really proud of myself at one point because we live in freiburg which is really close to the alsace region of france mm -hmm. and there's like a couple of times where i would be speaking german and i mean obviously i'm still making mistakes but I must have, like, I was trying really hard to lose my accent. Mm -hmm. And instead of correcting me in English, they corrected me in French. Uh. <laughs> which I was, but like secretly in the back of my head, I'm like, oh, so you think I'm French? Yeah, <laughs> so you, exactly. Like, I don't stick progress. out. Right. Maybe, maybe I'm progress because I'm not yeah. sticking out quite as badly. So it's right. like my, my barometer for uh, blending in. But That's true. Yeah. 
You achieved oh. European status. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. At least I was within the region now, so yeah. getting yeah. closer. But I am proud to say our entire home buying purchase was 100% all in German,、mm-hmm. except for the loan process. We did that in English because she spoke、mm-hmm. perfect English. But everything else was all in German. All the subcontractors.、So、we did not understand、oh, wow. 100% of it, but we understood enough to like get everything that we wanted. And、uh-huh. the walls are still here, so they did what we asked. So <laughs> the house isn't on the market yet. Yes. Yeah.、Exactly. Right. <laughs> And like the whole、um, contract, like the appointment at the notar, like、um, all that was in German. Yes. Yeah. Because、yeah. I feel like that will be challenging for a native speaker. The notar, like I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, that was too much for me.、Mm-hmm. He kept going in German. We translated everything beforehand, so we knew because、um, he had to read the entire contract in German. Yeah, I know. Faster than I can speak anything in English, and you're just like, <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was、oh, a tough、boy. one.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, th- yeah, he sent the documents over ahead of time, so yeah, we had time、okay. to like process them. But yeah, I, like yeah. I guess for those people who aren't as familiar with the home buying process in Germany, the notar is legally required to read the contract aloud to you in that specific language. In、too. the、you、specific language, in yes, because you are not allowed to sign anything without like complete and full understanding of what you are signing. So it's like in the states. The only thing I can equate it to is like going to an auctioneer block, and like the the speed at which he's like、mm. reading. Like, yes, yeah,、thing. okay, sign here. <laughs> You're just like shaking when you leave. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I I mean I've never done that in Germany, but I have a couple friends and like、um, my parents or relatives that have gone through it, and so like I just know. The first of all, legal language and legal German is、yeah. already hard to understand as a German native speaker, right? Because they just German is already a complicated language, and then when it comes to contracts, they just make it so insanely complicated. That's where all the typical long German words come from is from these、mm-hmm. contracts <laughs> and like、yeah. the bureaucratic language, basically. So I can, yeah, I can only imagine how that would be as a as a non-native speaker, because I would sit there as a native speaker and be like,、uh, "Excuse me, <laughs> what is that? What does that mean?" <laughs> Yeah. Hey, it's a it's a skill. That guy had a had a very <laughs> yeah. Very he even cool told us、skill. too. Like, He's in the he right profession. Very, he, <laughs> yes. Yeah, he went to school even in New York too, so he was like perfectly、oh. fluent in English. He's like, I'm not going to speak English to you. We were doing all of this in German. I'm like, okay.、And、we're like, okay, let's go.、Uh, yeah, because he because he even like scheduled an appointment with us before we even came because he wanted to test our German. Oh, he that, called you on the phone. Yeah, so he called me on the so like we had I had traded a few emails and I had said you know we're from the states like we. We 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 understand when German is spoken to us, but oftentimes, like we struggle with our own vocabulary. Do you think、mm-hmm. this is going to be a problem? Like you know, like in the moment, especially again with legal language, it's really difficult for like to kind of put those sentences together. And it, so his test was literally calling me out of the blue on the phone and quizzing me on the phone in, in quickly, German, speaking quickly and speaking very quickly. And then at the end of the phone conversation, the very end, he switches to English and goes. You're gonna be fine, kid. And then he goes, "I'll see you at our appointment." And I'm on the phone. I'm like, "Like, okay." But he just did that. He just did that, like, to reassure you and him that you're gonna be able to do it. Or was it like a legal yeah, he, requirement? He, no, no, not illegal. He, he wanted to make sure that we didn't have to get a translator with us to yeah, go there. Okay. Like, yeah. We understood enough that we could get by. Yeah, because because we because otherwise we would have hired a translator.、Okay. Even though like we spoke like you know B two German like. Yeah. 
well, that was that was our main question. Like, should we hire yeah. a, a translator to accompany us to this meeting? And so, like, rather than like answering it abstractly, he's just like, I'm just gonna call you. Yeah. I'm gonna test Interesting you. Interesting method. Figure it out. <laughs> I'm like, okay, all right. Oh boy. That would be passed, nice if that's so. what that, that would be nice if that's all you had to do for uh, the Niederlassungserlaubnis. Instead, you have to go to no, an kidding. institution and get your certificate and everything. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, Not really. I got lucky with that one. Yeah. Um, so the company I was working for, they went through a law firm, like in mm-hmm. all of my visa renewals and everything. Yeah. And I wanted to get the Niederlassungserlaubnis because I was living here long enough. I'm like, I really need to get it. And they're like, Well, your your appointment's coming up. I'm like, Well, I don't really have time to go and do a test. I'm like what do I have to do to just go ahead and get this? I'm like, I'm well past now the minimum requirement yeah. for duration in Germany. Then they talk to them like, okay, so you don't have to do it. Just go there and have a conversation with the person who's in charge of the office. Um, and they'll just kind of quiz you on the spot. So for like literally the entire month before that, I'm like only listening to like easy German on Spotify. <laughs> and I'm only yeah. like watching German TV. I'm only speaking German to my colleagues. And I'm like cramming for as, like, as hard as I could to go there for my exam. And I went there and I had a conversation with a guy, I told him all about me, what I did and what I'm gonna do and like why I wanna do this and other mm-hmm. types of things. And at the end of it, he's like, keep taking German classes, but I'm gonna give it to you. Like it's good enough, <sighs> we'll move you forward. That would be nice. Cool. That would be nice. That does not happen very often no. for anybody who's listening. That was a very lucky scenario. Like you need to get the B1 certificate. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's that's lucky. I have some friends who work at the Landratsamt here in the Munich area. And they're like, I, I was talking to them actually yesterday about this. And like, even though you speak great German, Josh, unfortunately, they're going to make you have to have the, the certificate. Mm. But yeah. Yeah, I think, it, I think it really just sort of depends too on like, how nice of a person you even yeah. just like get that. I mean, it's not about nicety. That's kind of like, that was a bad thing to say, but it all depends <laughs> on the person that you see that day on how yeah. lenient they feel yeah. because it's a completely sub- subjective experience. Yeah. yeah. But it was also a very un-German thing because I was so blown away. Yeah. I didn't have to have that certificate that was required <laughs> to do it. And they're just like, we'll just quiz you here. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah, I, I agree. That is, doesn't sound very German. No. <laughs> how, I don't know how they handle that in the system and with bureaucracy and everything, but I guess it worked out no, somehow. Just don't ask. Just don't <laughs> ask. Just go with it. <laughs> yeah, like the, the girl behind him, the guy quizzing me, he told her like, okay, just push it through. It's fine. And she looked at him like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but yeah, whatever. I got it. Caught him on a good day. Well, the last topic that I wanted to talk to you guys about is we already talked about it a little bit is the area that you live in. And obviously what you named your channel and online presence after the Black Forest. And I mean, you already said that it feels like vacation every single day. So um, maybe you can talk a little bit more about that for everyone who's never been there. I've been there a few times and I know it's beautiful. I've never been. And of course, the Europa Park is there, so uh, that's a big plus. <laughs> and as you said, France is right there. So, uh, what is so special about the Black Forest, and what do you love so much about it? I mean, I've mentioned before, like I am in the cycling industry. I ride my road bike all the time. I ride my mountain bike all the time. And like road cyclists, they're always looking for really beautiful roads to be on with good drivers, mm-hmm. good conditions, nice scenery, nice climbs, nice descents. So like for me, that is always the number one priority, like from where I am and why I enjoy it so much is because mm-hmm. you can climb um, from where we are, you know, 900 meters up. So 3000 feet um, and just climb and then just be in these most beautiful areas. And it's just like dark green vistas, like rolling hills, mountains, 
beautiful architecture. Like it's all just nature driven. There aren't like massive buildings everywhere. The roads are in fantastic condition. Um, mm -hmm. The drivers are also, for the most part, very respectful for cyclists on the road. Mm -hmm. um, so every time I'm out riding, like it is just the most like pure raw feeling of just like being outside and having fun. Um, mm -hmm. And that's really one of like the main drivers for everybody in our part of Germany is they like being in the nature. So yeah. like this is what everybody likes to do. And like there's really no end to where you can go exploring on a, a paved road, a gravel road, a mountain bike trail. There are endless things to do throughout the forest. Everywhere you go, there's just like a stand. There's even just like a, like what are those? I just forgot the word. The little boxes with like drinks in them and food in them. Oh, uh, it's not the Kista, but it's like the, yeah. There's a hiking trail near us in the Siemenswaldtal, uh, the Siemenstal. That yeah, has, they just have like water in there, they have beer in there. And the you local get sausage in there. It, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh -huh. you can get some of those. Like the little kiss like, that they put out in front, where you can just yeah. put your exactly. money and take whatever. Yeah. Like, it's like an honesty box. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, like going out and just doing repeats, like just riding them all the time too. Like for me, it's just such a wonderful, magical feeling. And it has not gotten old, which has really surprised me. Like I go into France, I go into Switzerland, Switzerland, I'm sorry, but that's also really nice. But even like down into Spain or Italy, where before I moved to Europe, I'd be like, that's like the Mecca. And now I go there, I'm like, I kind of just want to go back to my home and go riding there because it's <laughs> almost better. Well, how far is it to go into France from where you guys are? 30 minutes? Um, it's by, by, by car? car, it's about 30 minutes. By yeah. bike, it's like one hour from my door okay. across the border. But then you have to go another hour and then you get into the mountains over there, which are mm -hmm. almost the exact same as here, just French. So do you, do you bring your passport every time you go? No, I have a passport card. Uh, but okay. funny thing is, we just learned the other day, the United States passport card is not accepted in Germany. And we've just Good been carrying this around with us everywhere because yeah. you were at the... Um, uh, yeah, I rented an e-bike. And they asked uh -huh. me for my passport and I like was like, well, I shouldn't need a passport. Like, here's like my German ID. And she's like, she's like, well, I'd like to see your passport. So you had like all I had on me was my passport card. And she's like, this is not legal. And I was like, I, I, I mean, it came my from passport the number is on it. Like all of my anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't work. Yeah. But yeah, like that's for me, like that's the reason I love where mm -hmm. we are so much. <laughs> it's just it's stunning all the time, all year round. You can go cross country skiing also in the winter. Like it's. Mm -hmm. There are endless things to do outside. Yeah. So now, cool. I think, like, for me, I love Freiburg as a city. I, I, every Every city in Germany has its own unique feel. You know, Berlin is very metropolitan and cool. Mm -hmm. And you go up to Hamburg, and it's, it, it's like, it's just, like, every, every city has its own different feel. But for Freiburg, um, they really embraced this identity as being like they they self-titled themselves the green capital of, of Germany mm -hmm. and they embrace it in like every aspect of life. So like the university is very centric now on sustainability, green systems, forestry. Um, but when you're around town, like in Freiburg, there are three times as many bicycles as cars. And like cycling centric culture for all ages, mm -hmm. from little kids all the way up to like older families, like everyone bikes, everyone is outside. Yeah. If the weather permits their outside hiking, I mean, like life here is lived very much outdoors. And not yeah. in a car. 
and not in a car. And like, I mean, we live in such a beautiful part of the world. And like they say, it's the sunniest city in Germany, although I'm not sure if it still holds that title, but it's, it's just so nice to be in an environment that feels like, and plus it's a university town. So it's just got like a certain pulse to it. It has a vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like there's a, there's like a music culture and an art culture and a theater culture that comes with being a university city. Like that's like kind of like the a unique feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like the proximity that we have, like we were saying, we're 30 minutes to France for about 45 minutes to Switzerland, to Basel. Oh, you'll be three hours or less than three hours. You'll be in the Alps. So yeah. I mean, it's still very close. Yeah, it's it's just been really, really fun. And for us, like one of the reasons why we bought our house specifically, um, we try to like keep like our exact location a little bit. Like that's the one like for our datum shoots, for our privacy. Yeah. But I but I will say our property borders the Black Forest. So like the window okay. to my left, that's all I see. There's no other buildings behind us. We just look out onto the forest. That's cool. That's amazing. Which is, been really fun like like that was like our big factor for why we bought this house specifically is i was like we we moved to the black forest let's let's yeah, let's yeah. be in the forest yeah. go yeah. for it so you, you could be in the kaiserstuhl which is basically like the vineyards kind of away from the hills mm-hmm. which is also mm-hmm. beautiful but I, like we're living here i want to be in the nature yeah. in the mountains yeah. like that's it not just out in the, the valley that's a huge change from where you guys are originally from too right <laughs> that's what I just Central like, Illinois. You're from cincinnati which is like you know you're in the midwest as well the bit east of us but like i mean C- do you miss Cincinnati's- that like your landscape of germany now that you live in cincinnati like how is oh, it has to be a huge culture for, shock for you um honestly no not that much because like I mean, of course, Munich is relatively close to the Alps, but I feel like I still go there relatively often and I go on like little vacations here and it's not like I would be out like in the Alps or like in crazy nature all the time in Munich. The one thing that I do miss, though, is just like the general outdoor life, like mm-hmm. the outdoor lifestyle. Yeah. And we talk about that a lot. I mean, I would take my bike everywhere. I mean, elementary school, I would walk there at the age of six by myself. And then as soon as I went to gymnasium, I took my bike to my school every single day for eight years. And then I took my bike to university and to work. And if I had to go further, I would take my bike to the subway station and it would go through like a little forest and over like railroads. So it was like up the hill, through the forest, down the hill. And um, I miss that 100%. Like, and I definitely, I miss like the the nature in terms of like the English garden, like the big parks and just there's so much greenery in the cities even. And Mm -hmm. I did, I think I've mentioned that a few times before, like I grew up kind of um, not outside, like right at the border of Munich. So like it was definitely a little bit less city vibes and a little bit more residential and there were a lot of fields around and stuff like that. Um, But to get back to your question, I feel like I miss that about Cincinnati because they don't have as much. I think most American cities cities don't have that. They just don't have as much of this like greenery everywhere. Like you can go to a dedicated park, but then you usually have to drive there because <laughs> like, how are you going to get there? <laughs> um, some people ride their bikes like Josh did in Cincinnati, but it's not like an easy task. Like there's no, no bike lanes and you have to go up and down a thousand hills because Cincinnati is very hilly. That's what I was going to say. Cincinnati is not typical Midwest. And it's not safe either because drivers don't pay attention to you. And everyone that I know that 
yeah. takes their bikes. Did you ever get in an accident, Josh? Because I feel like no, I, I, so you I like... had a couple close calls, um, but no, I know quite a few people who were hit by cars when they would ride their bikes in the U.S. Yeah, I feel like everyone I know that rides their bike here has been in at least one accident before. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I'm, I uh, totally like feel everything that you guys said about being outside and riding your bike and experiencing that life because that's definitely something that I miss here. And as you said, I spend more time here in a car and that's definitely yeah. something that can be convenient but i also definitely miss the the german lifestyle a little bit i didn't mean to interrupt you Faley, when you were explaining that i just was wanting no. to comment that i mean i haven't been to kc and i but i know generally missouri and i also know illinois and it's flat like very very oh, flat. yes <laughs> whereas cincinnati is right on the border kind of to the south and we it's right on a river as well so it's actually quite hilly um yeah so that's fair it's, it's slightly different than what you would picture when you normally think of uh the midwest until you go maybe True. a half hour north and then it's just cornfields again uh, cor- corn yeah, and soy. Like, but i just wanted to add that piece of information in there oh no it's it's relevant because like my like i said my dad's a farmer like mm-hmm. i and when i when I, I like i don't feel like people truly ever understand when i explain the depth of flatness you just have to say yes. it's the, you can see the curvature of you the can earth. see the curvature <laughs> like it's so it's i mean it's so like the, the like literally if you want to find a hill you have to go on the overpass over the highway mm-hmm. like that's that's a hill and so it, it actually like weirdly though because we've talked quite a bit tonight about how, like sometimes it is really hard to be away from our family and so one of the, the, like the very first time my parents came here to visit us when we were living here, this landscape is so different and the culture can be so different sometimes. And so I was really curious as to what my parents thought about all of this because I wanted them to be happy about my move as well. Mm-hmm. And it meant so much to me to hear my dad specifically, like we took him up into the high black forest. And we were at, I don't know if you're familiar with TTZ or like the Aaron Schluxi. It's like where like the Rothaus Brewery is. TTZ, yeah. Yeah, it's just like a really beautiful part of the forest. And like out of nowhere, my dad, like just like was he, we were at like a point looking out over the, the forest. And he just goes, I get it. Mm-hmm. Like I get, I get why you're here. I, I, yeah. re- I really get it. And that meant like, that kind of meant the world to me. Yeah. That like. You're so far away, but like I understood why you why you made the move this place. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I had a similar uh, experience with my mom when she recently came to visit as well. Like, it's just yeah. like we hate that you are so far away, but like from meeting your friends and being in the city and seeing your life here, like I get it. Like it sucks, yeah. but I get it, and I'm happy for you. Yeah, it's a uh, yeah. That approval it's, means a lot. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's yeah. The ba- like you, you live in Germany too. Like it's always in the back of your head. Like what are my friends and family thinking right now of me? Like not yeah. being there for these events that I would probably be able to travel back to. And it mm-hmm. kind of eats at you like year after year. You're like, I'm missing these things. And like, what are you doing to miss these things? And what are you going to do to make them up? So you mm-hmm. always try to make a real effort to like go home, you know, spend vacation time, make a budget for going home. Um, mm-hmm. Just to spend time with everybody where, you know, of course, we'd love to go to some other country here and spend that time. But yeah. we're like, you know, we made the choice to be here for ourselves. We still need to give something back to just go be with our family. Definitely. And, you know, yeah. put in the time. It doesn't take long of being back in the car in the Midwest, though, that to make you miss being in Germany. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we drove our, our last two weeks there. We drove 1500 miles in the car. 
Oh, goodness. Yeah, we drove from, for reference, we drove from Houston, Texas to Kansas City, Missouri, then mm-hmm. over to St. Louis <laughs> oh, in boy. the car. <laughs> like, like a true American road trip. 18 yeah. hours. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> So, yeah, that's that something was... that, like, I mean, if you did that in your area, you would have already crossed, like, three other countries. <laughs> we'd oh, be, like, yeah. somewhere out, like, Russia, practically, right? <laughs> like, way, way into Russia. Yeah, yeah isn't it like, no, we're still in Texas. <laughs> we're still in Texas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. Well, for me, um, I think this would be a good point to wrap it up, unless you guys have anything else that you would want to mention or talk about. No, this is just really fun. Like, I, you know, Philly, we, we see you, we see your videos and we see you online and it, it's, it's so like kind of surreal to have a, a seated conversation with you. And Josh, you've also <laughs> been like so nice to, to chat with as like sort of a fellow, you know, transplant here in Germany. This mm-hmm. has just been, yeah, yeah we really ha- th- wanted to thank you guys for the opportunity to sit down together. Because this has of been a course. treat. Yeah, it's a really good opportunity. Thank you for inviting us. Yeah, yeah no problem. Thank, yeah, exactly. Thank you for taking the time and talking to us. Um, these things are, I mean, I think Josh, Josh and I are just used to it at this point because, like, it is so surreal at first when you know the, you like know someone, quote unquote, from the Internet because you watch their videos and then you meet for the first time. And it's like it's so surreal because it feels like. I know so much about them that they haven't told me personally. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I've seen your guys' house vlogs, right? And like I know things about you I've that been inside um, your house. <laughs> <laughs> basically, yeah. Um, but I think Josh and I are kind of used to it at this point because yeah, we've done point. this so many times that like we've had these conversations where it's like, oh, oh my god, it's so surreal to finally meet you. And I think my, our brain has just gotten used to it now that these people from the videos become real people, and then uh, you actually yeah. connect with them. <laughs> Long story short, um, we really appreciate that we get to do this and get to have all these amazing people on our podcast that um, share their lives and information. You guys have such amazing um, educational videos on your channel. So if you guys haven't checked out the Black Forest Family YouTube channel and your guys' website, of course, make sure to do so. It's definitely worth it. And I might also be on your guys' channel at some point in the future. We'll see. Thank you. That would be an honor. Oh, no, I I would love to. (laughs) Sometimes the question of like, planning and all that fun stuff just a small little thing <laughs> called planning and time just like management <laughs> and then uh cool. with the distance and all that fun stuff yeah. but yeah thank you guys <laughs> so much for being here yes thank you guys as you know if you enjoy our podcast and want to support us the main way to do so is by subscribing to our youtube channel and um, follow or subscribe on apple podcast on spotify or wherever you're listening and also leaving a review is very, very helpful to us. It's a great support. So just like write a little review on Apple Podcasts. You can do the rating on Spotify, five-star rating or however many stars you want to give us. <laughs> yeah. Um, or leave a comment in the YouTube comments down below. Um, obviously, just share whatever you thought of the episode, whatever you agreed with, disagreed with, wherever you want to add your experience and perspective on a topic that's we always enjoy give us your mustard comments give us your (laughs) mustard or your two cents oh gosh yeah den senf dazu geben that's a german idiom (laughs) and to give your two cents is the english version exactly it's so different it has nothing to do with each other um yeah thank you guys so much for tuning in and we're excited for this new year of the podcast with you guys if you have any specific requests or topic recommendations or 
ideas, um, feel free to shoot us a message. You can also um, do so on Instagram at Understanding Train Station. Just send us a DM on there. You can email us, understandingtrainstation at gmail.com. Or, of course, join our Patreon uh, community where we also do our monthly live hangouts with you guys in like a video call. And then you can either message us there as a DM or also just join the video call and talk to us about that kind of stuff. I think that's all I had I to mention. That's right? it. I was going <laughs> to say, good job, Bailey. Good job. You did it. <laughs> I tried. Um, all right. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for hanging out this this week. Yeah. And with that, we'll see you. Uh, see you in two weeks. Cheers. Ciao.